Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hoopball Podcast listeners, are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. And welcome into the latest edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network. I'm your host, Amy Barling. I'm so happy that you are here with us dropping a little weekend edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast. And why not? There's so much pertaining to the Sacramento Kings to talk about just in the last few days. De'Aaron Fox has sprained his ankle again. Uh, we have learned that Harrison Barnes is not yet in Orlando, he's still going through COVID-19 protocols. Here in Sacramento, he was the fourth of four Kings players to test positive for COVID-19. We've learned that Alex Lynn, I believe, just arrived in Orlando, and he's going through the COVID-19 protocols to join the team uh, during their practice. Rashawn Holmes is still on house arrest for crossing the gun line. He's got a few more days of that. And oh, by the way, in the midst of all of this, we have our first basketball game. We have like our first real live basketball game with uniforms and all coming up in just a couple of days. Coming up on Wednesday, the Sacramento Kings are going to take on the Miami Heat. And by the grace of everything, it all goes smoothly. There'll be no hiccups between now and the 22nd. And we'll have uh, some live basketball to talk about with the Kings and the Miami Heat. And I think once we get to Wednesday... We get into a rhythm, man. We start having games coming up every couple of days, and then uh, we'll be uh, this Thursday. We will be one week away from the start of the NBA season, or the start of the restart of the NBA season. Uh, I'm happy to be joined today by Sanjay Singh. He's one of the many talented writers uh, over at the Kings Herald. We're going to bring him in here uh, in just a heartbeat. Want to remind you if you want to check out. What I do on a daily, you can check out the podcast with Damian Barling that is available here on this very same podcast platform that you're listening to this show on. We just launched the Be Heard podcast platform. We'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show, but there's so much to talk about as it pertains to the Sacramento Kings and want to bring Sanjay Singh in now. Sanjay, let's do this. Uh, De'Aaron is, is going to be out uh, for the next little while. We know he's going to be reevaluated in seven to 10 days. Uh, Harrison Barnes has not cleared protocol to join the team in Orlando yet. Really no telling how long that'll take. And even once he gets to Orlando, there's a procedure that he's got to follow. So with the first, first game, the first like real game, the first game that counts, the first of the eight games, uh, about a week and a half away, I'll ask you this. De'Aaron or Harrison, you can have one of them, just one of them for the entire eight-game stretch. Which one are you going to take? Oh, 
that is a tough question. Um, only can pick one of them. You can only pick one. Now, that doesn't say that the other one's not going to play at all. It says that they're not going to be available for the entire eight-game stretch. You get one of those two players to be available for the entire eight-game stretch. I'm going to take... Oh, I'm going to take Deer and Fox. It's a lot of back and forth between the two. And one of the things I'm looking at is how the Kings are going to struggle without Harrison Barnes because the depth is very shallow behind him. But Deer and Fox is what makes this team run. The Kings need to rely on their pace more often in Orlando than they did in the regular season. Yeah, And you can't do that without your star point guard. Simple as that. Yeah, that's and it. if you don't have... You struggled oh. with the question a lot. Like I, I thought you would fly out with De'Aaron Fox, but I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, labeled it that way because so much of the offense centers around De'Aaron, but I feel like so much of everything else, Harrison Barnes kinds of ho- kind of holds together. Yeah, I agree. Uh, both offensively and defensively, the Kings just need his length on both ends, as well as his length in small ball lineups to really, you know, be successful in both ends. You brought up a great point about the pace of the offense, and this is something a lot of Kings fans have talked about because we've we've yearned for the pace, the pace of the past, if you will, that Dave Yeager did, uh, which feels like an eternity ago here at this point. But I'm pretty sure it was just last season, though memory has gotten completely foggy since March 11th. Uh, we've talked about maybe this could be a situation, and I think we talked about it here on the last podcast, is this could be an all-out sprint for eight games where we see, you know, the fastest team in the league back at it and you have, you know, Luke Walton spending, you know, practices over the course of the next couple of weeks just getting guys' legs underneath them and getting them to run and doing that whole deal. And then now you realize, okay, De'Aaron's hurt, which is problematic for anything that the Kings want to do. Harrison Barnes isn't even in Orlando yet. I think Alex Lynn just got there, but he's probably going through the quarantine period. Rashawn Holmes is grounded for crossing the gun line. It's like this whole process has been snake bitten before it's even started. Yeah, I completely agree. And the the options you have now are pretty limited because behind Fox is Corey Joseph. He's not as fast. Um, you still have hope with Bagley at center because he can rim run. But um, behind you know Bagley, you just have currently Harry Giles who's been getting the reps at center, and he's not as fast. So that brings you some you know half court possibilities but the options are very thin right now for Walton so he's going to have to be very creative with how he you know utilizes their strengths right now you mentioned that you would you would go with the Aaron and Harrison would be the one that, that that would miss games if you had to pick one or the other who would you start in place of Harrison Barnes I think what Walton is doing is Bazemore and I kind of agree with that because I'm I would much rather prefer Bazemore be your energy guy off the bench but with the current situation, you kind of do need Bazemore to come into the starting role and be the <clears throat> excuse me, be the veteran guy that Barnes provides to the starting lineup. You know, keep everybody in check, make sure they're not making mistakes, provide offense. You know, he shoots uh, a very high 38% from three, I believe it is. Um, and he's also very versatile in defense. He doesn't have the same length that Barnes does, but he still brings the same intensity. And he's not going to, you know, replicate Barnes' production as a starter but you definitely need him in the lineup right now compared to what other options they have. I think, again, because it feels like an eternity ago and we've sort of lost the concept of time over the course of the last several months, Kent Bazemore was playing really, really well as a Sacramento King. Yeah, really, really good. I was very impressed with him because his numbers have been very like fluctuating. The last few seasons, he's trying to find his form. 
and he found it in Sacramento ever since the trade for Trevor Ariza. And it's been a pleasant surprise, and I really love watching the way he plays. I never thought that, you know, baseball would probably be one of my favorite players to watch this season for the Kings, but here we are, you know? It's been a strange year, bro. <laughs> a, a strange year when you can give the nod to, yeah, Kent Bazemore has turned into one of my favorite Sacramento Kings. Um, okay, so let's play with the what, what and, and I know this is, you know, kind of fun scenarios that we just throw around as Kings fans and the whole deal, but in all likelihood, I think the more likely scenario is actually that De'Aaron isn't back for the start of the season. Now, reevaluating is such a, it's such a term that I think tricks people in that, okay, De'Aaron Fox is back to seven to 10 days. Like, no, it means a doctor is going to look at him again in seven to 10 days. And maybe at that point, they'll make a determination on when he can come back. Or maybe at that point, they'll say he's going to be reevaluated in another seven to 10 days. And if they wind up getting that line, you could probably wrap a whole lot of this up. But the more likely scenario in my mind is that De'Aaron isn't available at least for the very beginning. And if he isn't available or if he is available, he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be close to a hundred percent. So let's play a scenario where it's De'Aaron Fox. Who's out rather than Harrison Barnes. Who do you start in his position? I think I go with Corey Joseph. And I know that's what the Kings did earlier when, you know, Fox sprained the same left ankle in November. And what they did was they replaced him with Corey Joseph, go down the pace. So I think you might have to give that a try because it did work early on. They did beat some really good teams. They did also lose some very strange teams, but it worked. And if they can try to replicate that success and play to people's strengths without relying on pace right now, then that could be something to, you know, hold on to while De'Aaron Fox is still resting up. What do you think happens with Bagley in Orlando? I know that's 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 one of the, the – before we found out Harrison Barnes wasn't there, before De'Aaron's ankle got him, before Rashawn Holmes crossed the gun line, the big conversation was – well, what's what, what's Marvin Bagley's role going to be? Now, that may have changed because of, you know, some of the X factors that we just laid out right there. But what, what do you think we see from from Marvin Bagley? And what do you think Luke Walton's approach will be uh, as these eight games uh, get closer and closer? I think we're probably going to see Bagley playing hefty minutes, maybe in the upwards of or maybe like 20 to 25 would be something I would be, would it be surprised to see. Um He's probably going to definitely get time at center because he said, you know, he got up 10 pounds and he's, you know, looking forward to playing that position. And that's what I want to see out of him. I want to see if he can show that he can play center, hang with the bigger guys, the bigger defensive guys, show he can help protect the rim, show he can stretch the floor in offense. Um, I know he's been working on the three ball a lot because this season it's been disappointing for him. And as an 18% shooter this season, you, it's definitely a number you can, you know, improve with work. And I know he hasn't played in over four months, but this is Marvin Bagley's chance to shine in what has been a very bummer season for him. And so I think he brings it. And and, and that's a... I wonder if he has, like, nothing to lose in this scenario. You know what I mean? Because everybody is under this weird... It's a weird circumstance that nobody's ever dealt with before. Like, this is hopefully, by the grace of God, a once-in-a-lifetime thing that these guys and all of us will have to deal with. And so if he comes out and he stinks, you know, everyone's going to be like, well, okay, it's difficult to make a determination here. But if he comes out and he's white hot, it's like, oh, okay, now there's some momentum carried into next year, and now maybe we get our, a, a glimpse of the player that we wanted 
you know, all the way back in, in game one, way, 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 way back in game number one when he got hurt against, uh, I think it was against Phoenix, and then he wound up missing a big chunk of time, obviously comes back, and then there's the horrible fact. You're a stat guy. I feel like, did they not win a game with Marvin Bagley in the lineup, or was it like some awful record where they were like one in 13 or 14, or it was just some awful record with Marvin Bagley in the lineup? I may be wrong, but I... I kind of I vaguely remember the winning number being zero. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, what I thought it was. <laughs> they it just wasn't it just wasn't good. But there is a lot of other factors that play into it. But it just wasn't good. I'm looking. You you posted this. This I I saw you post this the other day. It made me laugh. So I'll ask you the question that Google asked you: Is Harrison Barnes good? <laughs> I was laughing so hard when I saw that. And you know, good is capitalized too. Is Harrison Barnes good? But that, 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 like, like, is he good or is he good? <laughs> I really want to know. Is he good or is he good? Yeah. And he is good. But I feel like it does go under the radar because of the price tag he is under. You know, four years, 88 million. People want you to, you know, be putting up 20 points a game, be putting up seven rebounds, put up eight or eight assists to go along with that. But Barnes isn't necessarily asked to put up big numbers. He's just more of an elite complimentary role player to the guys that kings want to be stars and he's done a good job of that so my answer to that would be yeah harrison barnes is good and he needs to be in orlando for the kings to have a chance to yeah you're not going to get it i don't think you're going to get an argument from you're not certainly not going to get an argument from me i don't think you're going to get an argument with any kings fan about whether he he needs to be in orlando for the kings to have a chance but i think harrison one is, is is one of those guys who's they're like a victim of their contracts you, you instead of just looking him, looking at him as a player and what he brings to the different lineups that he's in, you look at what he's getting paid, and then you automatically all oh, pair. And then you look at players who are getting paid something similar, and you go, "Well, Paris and Barnes isn't that good." And we do that all the time. We do that in football, uh, but it is it's it's a really prevalent conversation in basketball where money is a little bit more free flowing than it is in other sports. And Harrison is always one of those guys who. I feel like he's always been good. Like he was never a bad player, but because of the amount of money that he's been paid throughout his career, it becomes one of those, ugh, he's not even good. Yeah, and it's weird because, you know, in Dallas, they asked him to do a lot of isolation plays, score as a creator, but that just didn't play to his strength. And his numbers, you know, when they initially traded for him, or when the Kings initially traded for him back last year with, uh, Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph, but when you look back at the deal, the Kings, you know, definitely hit a home run of that one because one of the things the Kings have struggled on in recent years is acquiring a high-level small forward. Uh, ever since Rudy Gay left, the Kings have been very thin at that position, and when you get a guy like Barnes to produce the way he has and play the role he has, you really can't go wrong with that. And he only gave up Justin Jackson essentially for him because Zach Randolph doesn't even play anymore. And he's such a great glue guy. We talked about that a few minutes ago. He does such a great job both both on the, the, the offensive end and the defensive end of kind of holding, you know, whatever the game plan that the coach he's, – he's like a coach on the court, one, but he holds everything together on both sides of the floor. He seems like a guy you'd die to have on your team. Exactly. Yeah. Every team needs a guy like Harrison Barnes. As much as people don't really see that, the more you dive into the game, the more you see how important Harrison Barnes is because he's just he's just really good and – Man, it's just it's a it's a reality I don't want to see if the Kings have to play without him in Orlando. 
Yeah, that's that's not something any of us want to see. Of course, his health uh, is 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 what matters uh, the most in in all of this. Eight seasons, Sanders, eight seasons for Harrison Barnes. The most money that he has made is this year, twenty four point one million dollars. What do you think Harrison Barnes' career earnings are? Eight seasons, highest year was this year, twenty four million dollars. Hmm. Is it his career earnings? Hmm. Career is it like, earnings to date. Is it between the 40s and 50s? Oh, 40 to 50s? No, it is way higher. 80? 106.8 million dollars. He has made north of 20 million dollars ever since 2016-17 with the Dallas Mavericks. And by the time his current contract is over, he will have netted 100, well, not netted, but he will have earned $167.6 million through his contract in the NBA. That's why. That's why people hate on him right there. That is the, that, that, I'm telling you, that's the exact reason. If Harrison Barnes made $12 million, it would never be a conversation as to how good Harrison oh. Barnes is. But because he makes 22, 23, 24 million dollars, suddenly it's 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 a big conversation of how good he is. That is right. <laughs> 106.8. Career career earnings, career salary is one of my favorite games to play because it's always, no matter what you think, it always comes out to some shocking number because you don't do it with people. You don't do career earnings with Kobe Bryant. Like, you know, it's some astronomical figure and you don't think about it. But when you throw a career earnings game for like a Harrison Barnes, it it, it gets fun because, yeah, dude's made some money. He's, he's, he's signed some pretty good contracts. Dallas believed in him. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what caused them to, uh, to bail on him. They, they decided to go in a different direction. We obviously knew what was going on in Golden State, so not really a big deal there. Uh, but I, I'm glad that the Kings believe in him. I think he's going to work for the Kings. I think he's an important you know, peace for the Kings. It would be nice for the Kings to have, it would be nice for the Kings to have a guy with some tenure. You know what I mean? Like a, like a, like a, like a player, like, Oh, this player has been around for eight years. There aren't any players on the roster that have been around for more than a handful of years. Harrison Barnes would be the perfect guy for that. I would love to see Harrison Barnes, see the end of this contract and just be the guy that, that De'Aaron grows around and Bagley and like teach, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. I think he's a leader on the floor and he's a leader in the locker room. Exactly, and one of the funny things about Harrison Barnes' age is that he's the same age as Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich, two players that haven't been in the league as long as him, but they're all 27 years old. Dude, that is wild. That is <laughs> that is absolutely wild. Buddy's looking around like, hey, you know this dude made $106 million in his career. Can can a brother just get a contract extension here? <laughs> you know, that's it, and that's a, a you know, you bring up another uh, a name there in Bogdan Bogdanovich, which was uh, another conversation uh, that we have had throughout the last few weeks, particularly since the realization of what next season looks like. And although next season hasn't come clearly into focus, Adam Silver has made it clear for months there's going to have to be a reduction in salary cap. And, you know, as, as we learned on a recent episode with uh, Aaron Bruski here on the Hoopball Podcast, that the salary cap reduction, thankfully, doesn't pertain to just the Sacramento Kings. It's going to pertain to every team in the league. But I did wonder how a reduction in salary cap uh, would affect the Sacramento Kings re-signing Bogdan Bogdanovich. I imagine he's going to have 
uh, some suitors out there. What do you do? Do you have an idea or or, or a guess as as to what a a top number from uh, a, 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 an opposing team might be to to try to acquire Bogdan Bogdanovich this offseason? If a team with good money, say like the Atlanta Hawks, would have a ton of money to spend, I don't know how that number is going to change now, but. If a team has enough money, I can see somebody offering him like in the upwards of seven to twenty mil to you know get him. Mm-hmm. Um, Bogey is very talented. He's not the best defender, but he is very creative on offense. And for a team like Atlanta to partner, imagine a partnership between Bogey and Trey Young. That is something that a lot of people would want to see. And Atlanta has the money to do so, but the Kings have the leverage, you know, uh, retain him, and so the Kings must do everything they can to keep somebody like Bogey because. He's arguably the King's second-best playmaker behind De'Aaron Fox, and if you lose that, then the playmaking becomes very thin. And I don't know if there's another option out there in the free agency market that can replicate what Bogey brings to the Kings. Do you think Bogey gets better than what he like? Do Do you think that we like what we see from Bogdan Bogdanovich right now is what he is as a basketball player, or do you think that he gets any better? I think there's a chance he gets better. One of the reasons why I don't think he has is because he's always playing basketball year-round, whether it's in Sacramento or whether it's for Serbia internationally. He doesn't really take any breaks, and that has really affected his body because he's often getting injured, and that affects his inconsistency sometimes. And this coronavirus you know, hiatus has given him the chance to rest for multiple months, and that's something he hasn't had since he's entered the NBA. And because of that, we could potentially see a much improved bogey coming out in the restart. And ideally, we want to see FIBA bogey. Some of the you know, best times bogey has played basketball is during the FIBA World Cup, where he absolutely lit it up for Serbia in um, the summer last season. And if we can see bogey replicate that with the Kings, that is going to be very positive news for them. That's that's a great point that you bring up that I hadn't thought of that this is the longest stretch he's gone without playing basketball probably in in years. Uh I I I hadn't really thought of that. So if he comes out I wonder what the I you know I wonder what the the, the effect of that might be because you know if we play the hypothetical game which we've been doing here for almost a half hour if we play the hypothetical game and you know he comes out and he lights the whole you know whole party up is there any chance that he stops playing year round and focuses on uh, just the NBA. And obviously next year is going to be a little weird. You know, we may or may not have the Olympics and there's, you know, I, I, I wouldn't ask him to pass on that, but anything else after that, I wonder if it's like, Hey, look what you did after four months off. Look what you did with an actual off season. Look what you did when you actually had the opportunity, one to rest two to practice and get better at some things and look what you're able to do. I wonder if that uh, has, I wonder if that'll have any weight on his thinking again, this year is going to be a little weird because of the possibility of the Olympics in 2021, but perhaps that's something that the Kings keep their eye on moving forward, especially if they're going to sign him to a long-term contract this off season. Exactly. And if bogey, you know, does produce really well, produces better than his numbers right now, there's a possibility that, you know, his value goes even up. And we know that, you know, NBA players want to capitalize on as much money as they can get, you know, whenever they can get that opportunity. And if Bogey, this is his chance right now, if he can produce at a very high level, then he can, you know, get a big bag with the Kings. And um, that's just going to be very good for him, no matter what. 
Um, I think he's really good. I, sorry to interrupt you. I think he's really good. I just I've never believed he was going to get better, and I didn't. And I don't mean that like that, that that it's bad. I mean he's good now, and he's a really really good basketball pl- player. I just I've always I've never had the belief that he's going to be anything different than what we've already seen. And maybe yeah, that's partly because of what you just said. Maybe that's partly because he's he's playing year round, and part of you know part of what people miss when someone is. Like someone is injured, for example, and someone like tears an ACL or, you know, there's so much talk, you know, this offseason about or, you know, the real offseason about um, Kevin Durant and 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 Clay Thompson and ACL tears and, and Achilles tears and all of that is you're spending your entire time rehabbing and you're not spending time working on the game. You're not spending time working on, OK, what what do what what are my deficiencies out there on an NBA basketball floor? What do I have to do? Uh, to be better in this regard or in that regard, you're spending time trying to get your, this little tiny tendon, uh, you know, just above your foot healthy. You know, you're trying to get that strong so you can walk again. And you, you know, you, when you miss an off season, you miss the ability to train and you miss the ability to get your game better. And I, that, that's such a fantastic point that you made a minute ago that I'm still hung up on is that he doesn't have the, he bogey, he doesn't have the time to do any of that stuff. He just goes from one to the other to the other, and we oftentimes we look at, oh, the more basketball, the better. Well, sometimes that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes you need time to sit back and reflect and say, hey, you know, what can I do here that's better? I mean, he was battling, again, I'm sorry, time is so murky. Wasn't it the, be- was it the beginning of this season that he was battling an injury and he just couldn't get into a groove? Or that might have been the beginning of last season. Again, I, I, I can't really remember, but at the beginning of one of the two seasons – he was dealing with an injury and he couldn't, it just felt like he couldn't get into a flow. And everyone was like, what's wrong with bogey? What's wrong with bogey? Was, I think that was last season, right? Where I like, can't he, remember, man. It, that last season was like seven years ago. <laughs> I get that. I think it, cause I remember him coming back against the Toronto Raptors and um, he did bring that creativity right out of the gate, but he's, his shot was very shaky. And so far this season, his shot has also been pretty shaky. Um, you know, one of the things that I think he can definitely improve on is his three-point shooting because this season he's only shot 36%, but based on previous seasons and based on the way Bogey can light it up at any instant, he is much higher than a 36% type of guy. Yeah, And he needs that rest. And I was just really, I can't wait to see how he can produce given the rest that he's gotten because of this coronavirus. Yeah, you're right. It was the beginning of last season. What do you, do you read, what, or let me rephrase this question. What do you read into the switch of Bogdan Bogdanovich going to the starting lineup and Buddy Heald going to the bench? Why do you think that it seemed to click so well for the Kings when that happened? I think ball movement kind of has a play in that, mainly because when you move the ball to Buddy Heald, you're ideally looking for him to shoot right away just because his main strength is a sharpshooter rather than having Buddy pass because he's not a very good passer. But with Bogey, he's always looking to set other people up in whatever way he can. Or he's also the guy that can benefit on dribble drives and, you know, kick it out to somebody. And his strengths play much better with De'Aaron Fox than Buddy Heald does. I mean, because Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox definitely work. But the creativity with, between Fox and Bogey opens up everything else for the other three players on the court with them. And so because of that, the ball movement is much more fluent. You get better looks. Um, everybody gets the share of the ball. 
And I think that's probably one of the main reasons why, you know, the switch worked and then Buddy brings the scoring off the bench. So it's a win-win for both sides. It's so amazing that we're talking about the Kings legitimately having a shot to at least, you know, they're at least in the conversation uh, for that play-in scenario, most likely against the Memphis Grizzlies. And this is a team that has had losing streaks of five and eight and six all in this season. When they lost eight games, I didn't think they were ever going to win again. Like it was just such a terrible stretch of basketball earlier this year where they were losing and losing and losing. It was like this, this basketball team is never, ever, ever going to win again. The sky was falling. There were articles from Sam Amick about group text messages with Vivek and Luke and Vlade and Matina. And it was just like, Oh my God, this is Sacramento. Like this is the epitome of Sacramento Kings basketball. Yet here we are coming off a, you know, four month, hiatus because of a global pandemic and we're looking at a situation where this is amazing because I feel like this could only happen to the Kings they're missing all sorts of players they haven't had one complete practice with all of their players yet and oh by the way their first game out of the gate is essentially a must win because they're going against the team that is basically phoned it in yeah the opening game is very important for everybody and the Spurs are already sitting at the front court so they it would be so, if the Kings are able to get the eighth seed away from the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, who I think are the main challenger for that, it's, I'm just going to point to 2020 because 2020 has been crazy. And if the Kings end their 13-year playoff streak in 2020 with a global pandemic causing a four-month break and all the adversity they've already gone through and they haven't even played a scrimmage game yet, then <laughs> it's going to, man, and there's no fans in attendance all of these factors playing into it and the Kings make the playoffs. It's just going to be one crazy, crazy ride because they're 28 and 36 and they have a shot at it. And <laughs> I, yeah. I would just, I'm just going to love the day that we could talk about. Yeah. The Kings made the playoffs the year Rashawn Holmes crossed an imaginary boundary to pick up his postmates order. <laughs> I, that's if that doesn't encompass the 2020 sports world in a nutshell, I don't, I don't know what does. Uh, you know, you brought up the Pelicans. You know, in a week of, of craziness, it, 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 it does and it doesn't have to do with the Kings. I, we should point out Zion Williamson has left Orlando. Uh, he, there are, you know, the, the, the protocols for returning are, I don't know if strict is the right word, but they're, they, they are. They're just that. They are, they are extremely strict and they're rigid and it requires uh, a whole lot of, Negative COVID nineteen tests, so it, you know, and the and the timing is important as well. Obviously, we all know we've got uh, scrimmage games coming up here in just a matter of days, uh, and with the with the Pelicans set to play on the very first night on on July thirtieth, that's kind of you got to kind of start working backwards here at this point and figure out okay for Zion Williamson to play on June thirtieth against I think it's the Utah Jazz. He has to be back. He's got to be back in Orlando within the next couple of days or it, it won't happen. So, you know, that, that's another kind of unique dynamic in this whole, this whole Orlando metaphorical bubble thing that we're dealing with in the NBA. Yeah, it's a funny similarity between Zion and the Pelicans and Fox and the Kings because both teams need those two players available. Otherwise, they become completely different teams because – with Zion and the Pelicans, you know, Zion didn't play for much of the early parts of the season. 
And the Pelicans did not look so good without him there. Yeah. Um, I know they have Lonzo Ball, they had Brandon Ingram that were growing together, but they need Zion to, you know, complete or like, you know, to finish the puzzle. And it's the same thing with Fox, you know, with Fox out, the Kings were a completely different team. Um, but he healed grew in different ways. Bogey grew in different ways. But at the end of the day, Fox is what makes the team click. Zion is what makes the Pelicans click. Both teams are different without, you know, both teams are much weaker without those two. And now both teams are looking at a reality where they could be playing without those two. So how do each team, um, how does each team combat that? Because every game is crucial. You can't, you know, afford to lose your opening day game. And that goes for both teams. You know, and as much talk as there has been, and, and, and I feel like a jerk when I do stuff like that. So let me point out the number one concern with Zion Williamson is whatever family issue that he dealt with. Basketball is very secondary, just as with Harrison Barnes' health, basketball is very secondary. Obviously, we're covering it from a basketball perspective, but we're not insensitive jerks either. Um, you know, as much as the ringer likes to troll Sacramento Kings fans, I, th- I think really what we're talking about, the three teams that, that the, the eighth spot should boil down to is Memphis, New Orleans, and Sacramento. I don't feel like Portland wants to be there. I, I mean, Dame Lillard s- spoke out against this on multiple occasions. So did C.J. McCollum before, you know, the, the protocol was announced. Now, obviously, you know, they went through it. Who knows, you know, what the PR ramifications would have been if they didn't. And I know Dame Lillard has a tremendous love for Terry Stouts. He has a tremendous love for Portland. But I don't feel like those guys are all in on this. I feel like the Pelicans are. The Pelicans would love that high-profile matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. They know the storylines that'll be there. They'll know they'll get the marquee games. And Kings, obviously, as, as we outlined a few minutes ago, they're, they're, they're fighting history here at this point and you know, trying to put an end to this drought. But, and, and then there's, oh, by the way, Memphis, the team that has the best 65-game sample size of the other three, and so much was made about who had the easiest schedule before the pandemic and who had the most difficult schedule before the pandemic. But Memphis had put together the most consistent amount of basketball. And to the best of my knowledge, that team hasn't changed. All their studs are still there. So for me, it's Grizzlies, it's Pelicans, and it's the Kings uh, fighting for that ninth and eighth spot in that potential play-in matchup there at the end of the eight games. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the, I think the Portland Trailblazers could be an interesting team to keep a lookout for because I know they were like the one team that voted for like not returning or something like that. Um, but when they're fully healthy, they are a playoff team. And I know that the Grizzlies do have, you know, that three and a half game advantage, I believe it is. So that mm-hmm. gives them a really good position. And every to make a single mistake because if the Grizzlies are winning and one of these three teams lose the game, then you're not really like, you know, everything changes for you because now you have to fight even harder. And I I think the Grizzlies probably do hold on to the eighth seed. It's just a matter of who can challenge them as a ninth seed for the playing game. Um, but I think you should keep a lookout for Portland because when they're fully healthy, they're probably the most ideal matchup to the Lakers with Damian Lillard, TJ McCollum. If they'll have, you know, Yerkes back, um, and healthy, Zach Collins back and healthy. That's going to be an interesting team. They're kind of weak, a small forward position, but you can never count out Damian Lillard. Oh, that guy is for sure. I mean, next to, I mean, you know, my hierarchy of NBA guys is Russell Westbrook, 
Kemba Walker and Dame Lillard. I mean, they're those are those are my three favorite players in the league. And I don't count, I'm not I don't, I don't want to count Portland out. I didn't mean to uh, come across like that. I just I don't I let me rephrase it. I question whether they're engaged in this process. You mentioned them them voting, you know, no for the return. The the way it was framed is that they voted no because they thought there were better options out there uh, than the one that we're getting now. I have no idea what those options were, but Dame Lillard was clear. He said, I'm not going to come back unless we have a legitimate chance to compete for the playoffs. There would be no, there's, there's no point in coming back. And so I, I don't know. I waited all year for Portland to make that run. And there was a stretch where Dame, it, I think he was, there was a stretch where Dame was averaging like 48 points a game or something absolutely absurd over a short stretch, but they, they weren't, winning like it never clicked for them I kept waiting for that team to make the run make the run similar to San Antonio I kept waiting for San Antonio to make the run to make the run to make the run it never came for either of them for San Antonio it's not coming and they've all but made that perfectly clear by who is and who isn't going to Orlando I'm I'm waiting for Popovich to opt out I'm waiting for Popovich I'm waiting for the alert that comes in when Woj uh hashtag free Woj is in effect and he gets off his suspension I feel like his first tweet's gonna be yeah Pop said the hell with this I'm out <laughs> and he's gonna let you know Becky Hammond or Tim Duncan coach or something like I I I don't know and and lost in all of this I don't think they have a real shot to make the playoffs but Monty Williams he wants to get those young guys playing I I don't think Monty Williams is looking at it, it, of course I don't believe he'll say this publicly either I don't think he's looking at competing for you know the ninth spot and play-ins despite the fact that they're not that much further out of it than the other teams but he's looking to get his team like hey we need to carry some momentum in the next season because next season isn't that far away let's get some games under our belt let's get together let's play let's show these guys what the Phoenix Suns are going to be next year we'll add our draft pick we'll get some more time together that's the type of coach I think that Monty Williams is, and I think he's going to be able to get a lot out of his players. I don't know what it's going to amount to, but if you talk about a team potentially playing spoiler in all of this, it may very well be the Phoenix Suns. And when you started off the season, you know the Suns came out strong too with uh, a backcourt of Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio that were surprisingly you know very good together, and um, they eventually lost their magic and they started you know tumbling downwards, but. Now this is another team that we have to look out for because they've also benefited from the four months of rest just as everybody else. And if they can recover the form that they had in the beginning of the season when everybody was healthy, it's it's going to be fun because I know I don't think the Suns have a legit shot, but teams like this, like teams like the Suns and the Spurs, could ideally play the spoiler for the teams that are trying to make that spot, aka the Grizzlies and the Pelicans and the Kings. But yeah, the Suns are definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. You know, Aaron Baines, another guy that has really improved his game this season. And these guys are going to want to take down some of these people, like, you know, trying to compete for the eighth seed. Maybe the Kings are somebody that, I mean, not the Kings, uh, the Spurs on opening day against the Kings, they can play spoiler because the Spurs have a lot of young guys, a lot of young guys that want to develop, you know, guys like Lonnie Walker. Um, and if they can snatch away, you know, the Kings' chances right away by beating them on opening day, then that's going to be a good confidence builder for Popovich's guys. So it's all things to keep an eye out for right now. Everything is open field. How distant does that first part of the 2020 season feel? I'm glad you ask. DeAndre Ayton served a PED suspension this year. You rarely hear the term NBA player served PED suspension, and it was the former number one overall draft pick. 
And it feels like it, that, that is the least wild story that has come out of the NBA this season. A former number one draft pick getting suspended for PED use. That doesn't even crack the top ten. Yeah, I don't think it does either. No. I mean, Kobe died this year, for God's sakes. Anybody remember that? Like, David Stern. Poor David Stern. Does anybody remember that David Stern passed away this year? This, is, this has been the worst. Now, we all know it's been the worst year ever. It's been the worst NBA season ever. China happened, like, in October, and people, like, forget about that. This is this is just Adam Silver is going to look back at 2020 like let's just burn everything from October to you know I wonder if 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 the 2021 season actually begins in 2021 I wonder if it, if it begins in January or right around maybe maybe December 25th or so but yeah man this is uh this has been something final thoughts man before we let you go so happy that you joined us Sanji this was a great conversation uh, any thoughts on Harry Giles he's he's obviously a player that. Kings fans are rooting for, they're concerned about, they're concerned he's going to be in a different uniform next year. He will almost certainly uh, be in a different uniform this year or, or next year, excuse me. What, what do you think we see from uh, from Harry Giles during this stretch in Orlando? The one thing I want to see with Harry Giles, it kind of has to, it kind of falls on Deer and Fox being healthy or not, but if Fox is not there and Walton has to dumb down the offense a little bit and not rely on pace, you go into half-court sets. And one of the things that stands out about Harry Giles is that in the half-court, he opens up the game with his ability to pass in the high post and his ability to split defenders, to find cutters heading to the basket, to read defenses is very underrated and he needs the minutes and, you know, just the on-court time and the chemistry to develop with players to show that he can be a king in the long run. But tough because the Kings didn't, you know, accept or pick up his option. So that's, you know, a factor out of his control. But if Giles can show in whatever 10 to 15 minutes a game that he can play, then he's going to be another person to look out for because he brings a different vibe to this offense that is fresh. Sanjay Singh, Kings Herald, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining us today. This was fun. Thanks for having me, man. Great perspective there from Sanjay. What a weird couple of days it has been. What a weird stretch it's been for the Kings between the, you know, Rashawn Holmes stuff, Harrison Barnes, you know, not having left Sacramento uh, and, and then, of course, you follow that up with the De'Aaron Fox injury. We're all trying to figure out how Bagley plays into this. It's such a – it feels like the most Sacramento Kings thing possible where we're just days away from the first basketball we have seen since early March. E- even though it's a scrimmage game, it's still the first live basketball we have seen in months. And here we are. We're falling all, all over ourselves like, wait a minute. Why does it feel like this is going so south already? It's because it is, and it wouldn't be the Kings if if things weren't going south. But we appreciate you uh, so much for tuning in. As always, we appreciate your support here of the Hoopball Podcast Network. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast, do all of that great stuff. Uh, check out our brand new Be Heard platform. Hopefully you saw something about that floating around on social media. We've lost launched a, a brand new platform here for some of the younger talent in and around Sacramento. And it's just what the name says. We want to create an opportunity for some of these individuals to be heard. You can follow us at Be Heard Platform on Twitter. Uh, same exact account name at Be Heard Platform on Instagram. Happy to have Deuce and Mo a part of that platform as well. I want to thank Aaron Bruski and the Hoopball uh, Podcast Network for all of their support in the launch of that Be Heard Platform. So go check us out there. Make sure you check out the daily podcast with Damian Bartling available here on the same podcast platform 
that you are listening to this one on. And, man, we've got basketball to talk about this week. Like, real basketball. We are going to – hold on, knock on wood. I don't know that my desk is real wood, but I'm going to knock on it, whether it's fake wood or not. We're going to be talking about a real basketball game this week. Uh, so hopefully uh, this uh, podcast got your appetite wet for that. Make sure you join us Monday on the podcast with Amy Barling. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time here on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by the Hoopball Podcast Network.